welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing scripture. My name is Zach Taylor, and tonight I'm joined with uh, Jeremy, Nathan, and Pastor Bailey. How are you all doing? Great. Good. Doing well. Good day. Good, good. We had a great Sunday uh, today. Um, Pastor, you want to give us an update on what happened today? Sure. We had uh, another soul saved this morning in church. Uh, it happened so uh, quietly down at the altar that I didn't even know what happened until after church, but a lady uh, came forward. They said she was crying and very uh, troubled and gave her life to Christ. Uh, Jeremy, you may, you may know who that was. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what her name is right now, but uh, uh, the Lord was, according to Brother Don, the Lord was really ro- working in her heart and wow. did some great things. And then another one saved this past Wednesday night. A mm-hmm. uh, young lady, Elizabeth, got born again. So uh, uh, great blessings yeah, yeah. to the church. Uh, great services today. Uh pastor's been preaching through... Uh, the Apostles, for those of you that don't attend our church. And if you want to listen to those, those can be found on our church's website at brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Once again, that's brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. I'm excited today. Uh, Last time we were together, we spoke on war and divisions in the church. Uh, And today, uh, picking up up right where we left off in verse number 5 through verse 10, we are getting into the cure of that war. Uh, how we can cure or even prevent uh, the wars and divisions that we're seeing in the church. Uh, so, Nathan, why don't you go ahead and read that for us? All right. James chapter 4, verse number 5. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Re- resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Yeah, that's good. I think the point is clear. If you're having a war in your church, there's nothing to rejoice about. Okay. I think that's right on the surface, right? Yeah. And uh, boy, wow! What a what a an unlikely place for people to be fighting at church. Very very un- unlikely. Uh, well, maybe unlikely is not the word. Just uh, inappropriate place for people to be fighting. It should not be taken uh, to church. Yeah, that's for sure. Among church, among churches, it's just it's phenomenal and it, it's upsetting because uh, for the sinner, the atheist on the outside looking in, it just does not look good. Does not look appealing. They. Um, quite frankly, don't want what the church has to offer if all they see is war and fighting inside the church among its members. That's right. Right. That's one of the things that kind of, I brought, I don't know if you guys remember, a couple weeks ago I had a friend with me in church. He was an atheist. I went to high school with him. And uh, that's one thing that made him not want to come to church anymore was because he grew up in in a church where people were constantly fighting and arguing with each other. And he saw it. And then he saw uh, how um, from there it led to even more corruptness, and he said, forget it. He says, I'm done. He says, if this is the way the church is, then there can't be a God because it's not under control. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I almost agree with him, you know, except for the thing that there's no God. You know, I'd rather stay home and watch a baseball game than go to church and fight. You know, oh, it's, yeah. just, it's just such an unnatural situation well, to be placed into. What What is the church? I mean, what does the word church break down to uh, in its original language? It means a called-out assembly. Yeah. Uh, and listen... Uh, just to be quite frank, why would I want to be called out to a place just to fight and argue? Yeah. I mean, if I wanted to see that, I would just watch some yeah. drama on TV. You know, uh, Not really what I want to go to a church for. 
And, and like he said, unfortunately for the atheists, uh, a lot of people are turned off by it. They grew up in church, uh, and that's all they saw was fighting, gossiping, backbiting, uh, people shaking your hand and smiling and then turn around and talking bad about you. That's unfortunate, but it's it's an environment uh, that we live in. Um, and, you know, it's the same way among Pentecostals. You know, it's not just Baptist churches. It's the same way among Pentecostals, same way Assemblies of God, um, you know, other churches, they're, they're having some of the same struggles. It really it's just, you know, to get right down to what James is saying here, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. Um, you know, it's talking about uh, the, uh, the inordinate lust of a man for power, for recognition, mm. for, right. uh, you know, for glory. And wow, I mean, what a contest that can turn into yeah. very quickly. Something that uh, leaped off the page just as we were reading this, in verse number nine, it says, "Be afflicted and mourn." Yes, and it's it's amazing how when you you watch churches today, and they try to act like nothing's going on when they have major major problems. You, they just put on their their fake smile. They come to church. They they sit in their little corner. They do their thing, and then they go home. But James is saying, "Be afflicted to to bear the pain of that." And yes. to to have that the urge to fix that to deal with that problem so that the church can be whole again. You and know, when, when I was studying this, I uh, and tonight you you spoke of that uh, testimony of Brother Seidler. Yes, and you know that's what sticks out to me in verse number nine. Yes, sir. Is afflicted in mourning. Uh, so if you would actually just real quick go ahead and uh, give that uh, yeah when, story that you gave so us. yeah I I did not stay at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville South Carolina very long but the little time that I was there I really uh, was befriended by Dr. Seitler <clears throat> Harold B. Seitler he was a legend I mean he was just uh, one of the most gracious kind greatest men of God ever um, only a handful of men have influenced me the way Dr. Seitler has but uh, in 1954 when they started Tabernacle Baptist Church there was an explosion of growth they're right at the intersection of White Horse Road in Greenville, South Carolina. An ideal piece of property. I mean, everybody in Greenville knows where Tabernacle Baptist Church is. Um, literally hundreds of other churches have been planted out of Tabernacle. The missions project there is a multi-million dollar project annually. And uh, when the church began to grow, Dr. Seitler just got just this this tiny little sense of arrogance and pride. Um, he detected that in the church that the church be- began to become uh, uh, just arrogant in its spirit. And so he called all the staff members, associate pastors, assistant pastors, youth workers, staff members, Christian school teachers, college professors, everybody that he had on staff. He told them to meet him on a Saturday night in the foyer of the church. And when he got there, he scolded the church uh, and, and said, look, we cannot afford to get arrogant. We cannot afford to get proud. And he got down on his hands and knees and crawled from the church foyer all the way to the altar and spent, they said, more than an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all followed him together, crawling to the front of the church, and they spent more than an hour begging God to keep him humble. Wow. And Tabernacle went from great to better after that display of humility. And Dr. Seitler never got over that. He was just that kind of guy. I mean, I was, I was just a teenager when I was there. And uh, he befriended me, opened his arms, opened his office. I would go and sit in his office day after day and just talk with him and chat with him. And he was just that kind of an humble man. He did not see himself as some kind of a superior preacher, mm. even though he was Dr. Harold Seitler. Yeah. He didn't see himself that way. 
Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so, war in the church. It's evident. It's there. We've all seen it. It's, it's not something that we can think, well, maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Wars in the church is a very real thing. Uh, but how do we fix it? How does James go about telling us how to fix this issue of war in the church? Well, I, I think one of the ways, and we can see uh, in verse number 5, uh, where it talks about how um, do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? And big question mark there. Then verse number 6, but he giveth more grace. I think the answer to all the church's problems is realize the grace that God has bestowed on us. It's exactly. a, it's an immense amount of grace. It's you, by His grace. Right? We we cannot we can't even talk long enough about the grace of God and how and if we just can realize of how unworthy and un, unjust we are and just see Him in His uh, magnificence and in His beauty, we can see the grace that He's given us. Then the the church will become more alive than it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about that grace, uh, we actually started this series. I was, I've was i been excited about it uh, since I, I, I thought about it and saw the books. Uh, we started discipleship with our teenagers. Uh, the first book is called Milk. Um, and in this book, it starts, I mean, very basic. What happened when I was saved? What happened when I got saved? And, you know, it starts talking about you have to understand that your good works don't matter. Uh, and the reason it doesn't matter is ultimately because of God's holiness. And it brought us, I believe it was to the book of, I want to say it was book of Micah. I can't remember right off the top of my head. But he brought up when it says in that verse that God's eyes are so pure that he can't even look mm-hmm. on evil. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. when Jesus was on the cross, God turned his back on his, on, on his own son because the sin of the world was on him. And God can't even look at sin uh, and I think if you just realize that, that no, no matter what you do, your flesh is never going to be good enough to please God, right. uh, then you realize just how precious and just how necessary uh, the grace is. Mm. One thing I like is um, a while back, later in verse 6, where it says, God resisted the proud but gave grace unto the humble. One thing when we started the, or when you started the Galatians chapter 1, or the Galatians chapter series, in chapter 1, you mentioned, you said, uh, your past is a cure to your pride. Mm. And so if we go back to remember where God saved us from, um, that again, that pride goes away and back to humble being. And yeah. How many? Some, somebody who's arrogant or proud, they have a Christian, they have lost uh, touch yeah. with where God brought them from. There's no question he brought us further out than we were in. Oh, yeah. And uh, and so, that you know, we, we have no room to boast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that, I think, could go back to what you preached about Wednesday night when you talked about the bewitching um, and sitting there and convincing yourself that That's the standards you hold, yep. the things you do, the what you wear, what you abstain from is some kind of holiness, um, is some kind of good thing that you have done. Uh, you have chained your flesh, and that's when that pride really starts to build up as you start accrediting yourself with, well, I don't behave myself like this person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't act like this person. Uh, uh, and you just get in a state where you're just proud. You forget where you came from. You forget uh, who you were before God met you um, and before Jesus came into your life, and you, you forget your ways, and you become very proud and stuck in your way. I can probably name five preachers just off the top of my head that – uh, they were great preachers. They were men of God, and then they let pride get in their way, 
and the very sins that they were preaching against that they would never do is the sins that they got out of the ministry for. It's the sins that took them wow. out. It's powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, what is it, uh, Haman in uh, in the Old Testament who made the gallows mm-hmm. uh, to to, uh, to hang uh, Mordecai, and, uh, and he wound up being hanged on his own gallows. I was talking to Andy Wells, my friend from North Carolina, th- this afternoon, and and, um, and we were just talking about some of that, you know, about how um, there, there's a preacher that went on the war path several years ago, very arrogant, very condescending, mean-spirited, judgmental guy. And um, and I became one of his targets, and he just unleashed this, uh, uh, you know, just bombs after bomb after bomb after bomb on myself and on our ministry and wrote letters about us and all this kind of stuff. And the very things, you know, like you were saying there, Brother Nathan, the uh, the very things that he was putting in those letters were the things that wound up getting him totally out of church. Mm. And uh, wow. devastating. And I'm not happy about it. You know, that's the thing is, you know, there's a certain version of arrogance that makes us want to say, see, I told you so. But that's arrogant. Mm-hmm. That's proud. You know, so even when a brother falls, if we th- if we think he deserves it, we still can't wish evil upon him or, or gloat and say we we knew it was coming. Yeah, I think the most um, uh, most sobering thought, probably in this whole section right here, is when it says, "God resisteth the proud, uh, and, but giveth grace to the, to humble. the humble." I mean, listen, uh, there's not one. Uh, if there's one thing you don't want, is for God to resist you. Yeah, is for <laughs> God uh, to become make well, you His target Cain. and make you His lust. Right, man. Cain. You know, God said, you're cursed from the earth. And he said, where am I going to go then? You can't change countries and escape the curse that you're, if you're cursed from the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, so when God resists you, that resistance is inescapable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the biggest uh, illustration I think that this could be given uh, is in the New Testament when the two men were in the temple. And the one sitting there, and he's saying, "Lord, I thank you that I'm not like uh, this publican. <laughs> like that I'm not man. like this man um, that I tithe and blah blah." And he starts listing off the things that he does, and then it goes to the center, and he's just saying, "My God, my God, uh, forgive me." He's just begging God for forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, in that situation, we know uh, who really got God's grace. Yeah. And in context of what we studied today about Matthew Levi, mm. he was a publican. That other guy, that that humble man in that parable in Luke, uh, was a publican. He wow. said, "Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner." Wow. And um, and and he knew that his publican lifestyle was, for certain, you know, going to be his downfall if he didn't stay humble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And it goes on to say, uh, in verse number seven, it says, "Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." Uh, you know. Uh, I believe that's put in there right after verse number six because very simply, a lot of times, uh, the devil will love to come and plant those seeds of pride in your life. He'll love to put some things in your life to make you get proud, uh, even things that may seem good or uh, may seem uh, worthy uh, to be proud about. He'll put things in there just to make you get a little proud, uh, and then uh, he uh, ultimately catches you in one of his traps. Hmm. Because here's the reality. Um, someone said this, and I, I'll never forget this. They said, if the devil can't have you for his own, then he's going to make uh, do his best right. to make you useless. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And the biggest way he can make you useless is with your pride. Yes. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, the church is not a battlefield. You know, the church is in a war. Right. And uh, but the scripture makes it so plain: we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, this is not a this is not a a personality conflict or a a carnal conflict between church members. We're supposed to be on the same team, uh, fighting against the devil. Years ago, I read a book, um, and we actually have a a class on this in our uh, Bible college. Uh, it's, the class is just called Church Split. That's the title of the class. A very practical class. Hmm. The textbook is Roy Branson's book. It's called Church Split. And Roy Branson, at one time he was a Southern Baptist, then he transitioned over to uh, the more conservative uh, independent Baptist movement. And and um, so he had the vantage point of being on both sides of that denomination, both conservative and liberal. And he surveyed a ve- very thoroughly the the two sides the independents and the southern baptists and 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 did a survey to find out what were the leading causes of church splits and in every survey that he did the uh, it all came down to a power struggle mm. between warring factions in the church and in most cases it was a pastor against the deacons or a chairman of the deacons against some subordinate deacon or um you know so on and so forth uh, in Southern Baptist churches, it was WMU, which is the women's uh, ministry of the Southern Baptists. They would get together um, frequently, you know, of course, without the pastor being included in those meetings, and it became a war, mm. you know. Uh, we want our agenda. We want our, our goal to be accomplished. And, and when people think that's what the church is about, you're going to have fighting. Yeah. You're going to have uh, warfare, incredible warfare. And so there's got to be leadership. There's got to be, I believe, in pastoral authority. I do not believe, however, uh, that a pastor ought to be like some kind of a spoiled brat that gets everything he wants either. Right. Know, there's mm-hmm. got to be a, uh, there's got to be a goal in which uh, the church is on the same team and everybody wants what Jesus wants. That's right. where the war comes to an end. Well, that's where the beginning of verse number seven comes in. What does it say? Submit. Submit to God. Yourselves, therefore, to God. Uh, the issues you have in the church, the issues you have with each other. Um, can ultimately be resolved if you decide to submit yourself yeah. to God. And you remember recently we talked about the submit-surrender issue mm-hmm. because in the Civil War the South surrendered, but they've never submitted. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're still Southerners with their, you know, with their stars and bars flags waving it high <laughs> and proud, and and uh, you know they're walking around with their fists in the air saying the South is going to rise again because the South submitted in 1865, but they never surrendered. They they surrendered, but they never submitted. And so the word here is is ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just surrender to God. And throw up our hands and say, we yield. But submission to God means I am going to defer to God. I'm going to agree with God and disagree with myself. I mean, literally, that's what the word means. There's no such thing as submission when there's no conflict. And so when the conflict arises, I agree with God against myself. That's where church unity comes from. Wow. Yeah, and so you have to submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and it says that he will flee from you. And then verse number 8 just follows that same concept. says, Draw no, nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Absolutely. Hmm. I think we talked about this on uh, take one. But uh, just just verse number 8, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Uh, for those that think that you can be holy in this life, that you can not... Not saying that you can't be set apart, but they're saying that you can be sinless after salvation. 
why is verse number eight in here? Why yeah. are you supposed to purify your yeah. hands and and uh, purify your hearts, cleanse your hands? Because uh, you get you get dirty along the way. Uh, yes, I remember Pastor Bailey giving an illustration when he was preaching through the tabernacle, and between uh, between the brazen altar and the holy place was the the laver for washing, mm-hmm. and all between that, the feet and their hands they got filthy from just just going through the day to day life of the tabernacle ministry. Right, they're and, priests, and they're still getting dirty serving God. And then they have to purify. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's important to realize James was not, it's not necessarily in this aspect, he's not right now preaching gospel to people. So when he's saying he's sinners, he's not talking to lost people, he's talking to church members. Right. The whole context. time he's been saying brethren. Yep. So in context, he's not talking to uh, necessarily, specifically, he's not talking to lost people, he's talking to churchgoers. So he's saying, cleanse your hands, you sinners. He reminds them, you're still a sinner. Yep. Look, mm-hmm. I was a sinner before I got saved. I'm still a sinner after I got saved. Yeah. The difference is now I'm a sinner saved by the grace yeah. of Christ. Yeah, there's right. such a debate about that because we, we. I remember we had a guy one time that he insisted that that was not true, that we are not sinners saved by grace. We're saints, and I can understand that that line of thinking. You know, theologically, I can understand how we all things are passed. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I get that, but it just does not square with what the Apostle Paul said when he said, uh, uh, "God is not slack concerning His promises; some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." And he goes on. And he talks about a, uh, you know, uh, he talks about uh, the sinners of whom I. Am chief. That's Paul's words. Hmm. Present tense. I am chief of sinners. So yeah, we have. That's part of the humility, yeah. right? Yeah, and part uh, of the humility is being able to say, "I've never graduated. I'm still. I'm still, still a sinner." Notice he's saying, "Cleanse your hands." Here, uh, I think we talked about this before as well. Uh, your feet uh, were a sign of your walk or your walk. relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Your hands sign were a sign of your, of your works. Um, so here he's saying you need to wash your hands, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Um, if you want to get rid of this war in the church, if this strife in the church, you have to purify your heart. You have to cleanse yourself. Uh, when I think of purifying, I think of gold. Uh, when they heat up the furnace and they take off the dross off the top and they keep skimming and skimming until they can see their own reflection. Uh, I think that's ultimately the picture of purifying your hearts is getting the Absolutely. sin out, getting the muck out, uh, getting the dross out, so to speak. Uh, in your hearts and making yourself more and more like Christ. Yep. Right. Sin is the sin is the root and pride is the fruit. Yeah. And if you keep that sin in your heart, that pride is going to manifest itself sooner or later. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's right. Yeah, and then he ultimately tells you you need to have a stance on this. Yeah, you need to feel uh you need to mourn for your sin the way God mourns. You need to see your sin as God sees it. That's why in verse number 9 he says be afflicted and mourn and weep, right? Uh, he's talking to people that have been proud. Look at this. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy be turned to heaviness. Uh, this is something that's serious. It's not something that's supposed to be taken lightly. Uh, when I think of mourning, right, uh, there's people that are sad. Yeah. That's one thing. But someone that's mourning is completely different. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a different beast altogether. And he's saying here, let your joy uh, be turned to heaviness. Hmm. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. David said, "Thy hand." After he committed sin with Bathsheba, he said, "Thy hand was heavy upon me." That pressure, you know. 
So we lose sight of how sinful we are. We get arrogant. That's the closing remark, right? Yeah. We lose sight of how sinful we are, and we we tend to get boastful and proud and arrogant and think more of ourselves than we are uh, than we are uh, permitted to think. Yep. Yeah. And right. Ultimately, verse number ten, he summarizes us all back up, reminds you of how to cure it. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of the Lord, and He and shall he lift you up. Shall lift you up, not yourself. You That's won't great. lift yourself up. You have to humble yourself. You have to make yourself low. And then God can lift you up, and God can use you. That's right. All right. Hmm. 100% right. Wow. It's a good discussion, guys. I'll close if you guys are are willing. Yeah. Well, uh, good discussion, man. I'm thankful for all of you guys. And from time to time, we have a couple of other guests that come in, and uh, that's always good variety. But um, if you want to know more about the church, you can visit the church's website, www.brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Hundreds of hours of preaching, teaching, singing, all kinds of stuff, as well as other resources, BrandonBaptistTabernacle.com. We briefly mentioned the Bible College, and if you're interested in enrolling for the upcoming semester, you can visit the website there. It's ttinstitute.org. It's Tampa Theological Institute, ttinstitute.org. And where can we find these podcasts? We have them on Podbean. Yeah. And we have uh, mostly a lot of it on YouTube. Majority of it's all on YouTube. Yeah. Majority so you of can... it's on YouTube. I'm working. I'm in the process of trying to figure out how uh, the iTunes podcast works. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to try to get them uploaded on that and on the Google podcast. I'm still fighting with Google as well. So if there's yeah. uh, trying to get that work as well. So right now we know for sure you can go to Podbean and YouTube and do a search for Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. The very first podcast episode we've tomorrow. ever done is on Google already. So if you've missed that oh, one wow. and you want to listen to that one, that one's on there. Great. Uh, and then all of them can be found on YouTube. All you got to do, go to www.youtube.com. Uh, go to the search bar on YouTube. Type in Cherishing Scripture Podcast, Podcast, and I believe it's the first three links. It'll pull up one of the podcasts. It'll pull up also uh, the um, album of all the podcasts that we have. And then it'll pull up the church's YouTube, which is Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. So it's all there. You can click it. You can go to the subscribe to the church's uh, podcast, uh, to the church's YouTube, uh, and there's also different stuff on there, special singing, stuff of that nature. Helps us out when you like and subscribe. Yeah, and if you want something easier, an easier way to find it, uh, maybe you're not too tech savvy, uh, always remember you can just follow us at Brandon Baptist Tabernacle on Facebook. I post them there. I post anything we put on YouTube. I post to our Facebook very simple. You just go on our page. You can click the most recent one, and it'll pull it up for you. Awesome. Pray for us, Brother Nathan. Close this one out. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for a good conversation tonight with a good godly brethren. And Lord, I pray that uh, this word will not return void. And Lord, I pray that you'll work in the hearts of your people. Lord, that we will become better servants for you. In yes. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, brothers.